You're listening to the Author Stories Podcast. Bringing you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Margaret Wise, Sherry Brooks, Sheena Kamal, Matthew Quick, J.T. Ellison, Walt D. Williams, Brad Ford, Corey, Dr. O, Brandon Sanderson, Robin Mom, Ernest Klein, Jim Butcher, Sherwin Harris. Visit HankGarner.com for archives of all the shows. Today's guest is... Well, thanks for joining me again for the Author Stories Podcast, where I bring you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Today, I'm really excited to have Johanna Mo on the show with me. She has an amazing new book. It's called The Night Singer, and if you love thrillers the way I do, this is a must-have uh, on your uh, to-be-read pile. And, you know, the, uh, the the weather is breaking a little bit. We're getting into the cooler months here and uh, th- this is one of those books that you just want to curl up with and and have a great adventure. Um, I love the book. I'm telling everyone about it. Johanna, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm excited to have you today, Johanna. Um, we begin each uh, each show with the same question. And that question is, what is your first memory of wanting to be a writer or storyteller? Yeah, Um I've wanted to write since I learned how to read, uh, but the first strong memory connected to becoming a writer is uh, when I borrowed a book from my older sister. Uh, I don't remember the exact title, but it was something like Writers on Writing, and the book consisted of yeah interviews with uh, writers where they mainly spoke about their process, and that's the first time I felt like wow, this is a job you can actually have. Right. Yeah. And I've always felt that they, that's the only job I could have, <laughs> Be, being being happy with. <laughs> I I know that feeling that you're talking about yeah. because there's um there's a point when you're when you're young and you just kind of assume that books just have always been like they just yeah. came out of the ether or, or whatever yeah. you know but by, by some sort of strange magic or something um but when you realize that books come from people and you know yeah. people write them and then other people help to edit them and publish them and you know there's someone else involved in the process that makes covers and and all of that yeah. stuff and you realize that they're just people like me and if they could yeah. do it then maybe I could do it yeah, yeah. That's, I love that um did you um were were you a bookish kid did you read a lot I was uh, an extremely bookish kid <laughs> yeah what, I, what were what were some of your favorite stories that do you uh can you remember a, a book or an author or a book series that uh, just let you realize that books could take you to another place? Uh, yeah, I read I read Narnia when I was quite young. Uh, uh, but I, I don't remember that much from, from, from my younger years, but I remember more from my teens. Uh, and I read a lot of Agatha Christie and Stephen King and those kind of writers. Then, where does your your love of thrillers and and crime fiction come from? Yeah, they, they that came from those writers. Uh, I just kind of have the feeling of 
just wanting to turn another page before quitting and I never could quit because I just wanted to keep keep going. That's that's what I loved about thrillers. But I loved I loved fantasy as well. Just to kind of be get into a totally different world. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, I've heard from so many different writers um, that uh, and and writers that go on to write in all sorts of genres. Uh, yeah, but yeah. There's there's an interesting thing that uh, that Narnia and and Lord of the Rings and, and some of these great fantasies that we um, you know think of as as cornerstones of the genre uh, that yeah. those yeah. have influenced so many people that go on to write in all sorts of genres that there's there's a there's a connective tissue there that uh, that I can't can't quite put my my finger on. Yeah, and that's what that's what made me want to become a become a writer as well because I wanted to give that to others that that feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the, you're uh, you're from Sweden, and there is a uh, you know over the last uh, well ten years per, it, specifically, and although um, it's been going on for a lot longer, but there's a there's been a uh, kind of a surge of of um, Scandinavian uh, crime fiction that has just kind of taken you know uh, America especially I can only speak as as an American um kind of by storm that there's all these great stories that have come out of there w- what is it about this place in particular that that has just spawned such great crime fiction yeah I, I get that question a lot but <laughs> I still don't have a good answer to it I don't know <laughs> I I think it's uh, crime fiction is 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 a big here. Uh, um, a lot of people want to write it, so there are a, good, a lot of good books. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's dark here. <laughs> yeah. Do Do you think that plays into it some? Maybe. Maybe I don't know. Uh, and the <laughs> island I uh, write about, it's very. It's very barren and very. There are not a lot of people there. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good place. It's a good place for for writing these kind of stories. Well, and there are a lot of places like that in Sweden. Well, one thing that that I find very interesting, uh, and and this happens all over the world, uh, but Sweden and, and Scandinavia in in particular. Uh, I've met a number of authors uh, who write just some of the most disturbing crime fiction that comes from there. But when you meet them, they're just the sweetest people with the, you know, just generous and just loving yeah. people. And and you you think, wow, there there's something about that place that just really <laughs> brings yeah, out are, brings are out known. some literary darkness. Yeah, Swedes are known for being a bit laid back, so maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah, yeah. But I don't, I, I don't really write those kind of crime stories. Right. I'm more, yeah, I'm more into the to the less bloody kind. <laughs> <laughs> well, the um, the you know, everyone loves a great mystery. There, there's that's yeah, a, yeah. a universal thing. Um, you know, no matter what country you're in or or from. Um, everyone loves to, you know, a good mystery and and for um, yeah. to to try to kind of solve, you know, along the way as you're reading through the story. Um, that's uh, that, do you think that goes back to your early experiences with Agatha Christie and such? 
Yeah, I, I think it does. Uh, but I would say my main focus isn't maybe the mystery. It's more it's more the people, people who are thrown into difficult situations and yeah, and how they kind of try to deal with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When when you're thinking of, about a new story and, and let's just say this, the Night Singer is your first book uh, to be published here in the United States. Um, yeah. But you you have written and published a number of books uh, in your in your native Sweden. Um, when you're first thinking of a story, what comes first uh, for you? Is it is it a character like, you know, because you were alluding to that or is it a kind of a what if situation? You know, what if a character found herself in in, in this scenario? What would she do? What, what What's the first thing that comes to you? Uh, for me, it's definitely the character. Yeah. yeah, it is. And after that, it's well, what happens if I put this character in this situation? Yeah, but it starts with the character. Gotcha. Um, are you a uh, a planner or a, a, a pantser? Do, do you do you plan out the novel before you write it, or do you discover it as you go? I do now. <laughs> I do, I, I didn't I didn't start as a planner. My first two books, uh, which weren't crime novels, I didn't plan at all, and I'm, I ended up rewriting and rewriting. And after that, I kind of just wanted to try another way. So my third book, which was my first crime novel, I, I planned, I mean, really planned scene by scene. Uh, and now I've kind of go back to planning a little. Uh, I plan I plan the characters uh, who are going to be in the story, what is going to happen, who is going to die, why is this person going to die? And I have a loose plan and then I start writing. Uh, but for me, the plan is just a map. I mean, I if it doesn't work, I toss it away. It's yeah. I've but met. I need, um, yeah, no, I'm sorry. Go planning. ahead. I need gotcha. some planning. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, are, I, I've met some some planners who, um, you know, uh, plan out the book and, and uh, outline it and and then you know, strictly write what's on the outline. Like every day they check in, okay, I've got to write this scene. Now I know this is coming. And then other people will use that outline to sort of solidify the story in their mind. And, and then once they're finished with the outline, they never really refer back to it. They've, they've kind of used that as a time to work out the problems ahead of time in their mind. Um, do you refer back to your outline or I, I know that you said that if the outline's not working, then you'll scrap it. Uh, but you know how 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 um, rigid are you with uh, with trying to maintain what you've worked out already? Uh, I'm I'm not rigid, but I, I keep it there because for me, I mean, it, it's it's a great way to put it that it's about solidifying what's what's in my mind. That's that's what I do when I write the plan, and I keep it besides the computer when I write, but when I change, change the story, I make the change in the plan as well, because then I can sit and look at the plan and just kind of uh, have the entire story in my head when I look at the plan. 
because I mean, because it's easier to look at the plan than to look at a at a manuscript which is maybe two hundred or three hundred pages. So, gotcha. Um, when when you start thinking about a new book and and you've got the characters in mind, and then you start kind of figuring out what to do with the characters, when does the the element of the mystery come in? It comes in quite early as well, because I want to decide, I mean, who, who who's going to die? Uh, and then I start thinking about who's going to do it and who, what are the motives for doing it? So that's really in the beginning for me. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, I don't always stick to that as well. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think... You- think better when I write that's the problem I can I can have a plan that looks great but when I start uh, writing I just realized that yeah it it wasn't that great I just just think better when I write (laughs) and some people will will say well the characters just do what they want to do when you start writing and you know I'll have this planned out but they decide to go off and do this thing. Um, do do characters interact with you in that way? And you know, writing is is really the only profession that that you can say that that people you just made up, you know, talk to you and and, and live actual lives. Um, but, but you know what I'm saying? Do do the characters yeah, have I, a mind I know, of their own? I know. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I I'm not sure I would exactly describe it like that because it doesn't feel like that. But it just feels like that I come up with things. I come up with new things that I want to try and just see what happens if I go that way instead. But in every scene I write, I try to kind of get into my characters. I try to think, what are they thinking? How are they reacting? And just kind of, I just want to make it real, to make it yeah, feel real for the reader. The your new book, The Night Singer, um, is the first book in a new series, The Island Murders. Um, your your previous books that you've published, um, have they been standalones or have they been in a series? Uh, I've written one crime series before and one standalone. Yeah. And my first series consisted of four books. Authors, I have a fantastic new service to tell you about. It's called PubSite. PubSite is a service to help you build your very own website, your home on the web, where you can promote your work and give your fans a place to connect with you. PubSite is a website platform that allows every author, regardless of budget, to have a great-looking professional website developed by the book marketing professionals at FSB Associates. PubSite is the new easy-to-use DIY website builder developed specifically for books and authors. Whether you're an author of one book or 20 or a small publisher, PubSite allows you to build, design, and most importantly, update your website pain-free. No need to be dependent on a designer or webmaster to make a small but costly change to your website. Save the money and do it yourself. PubSite is the best platform for authors because it's a book-centric platform. PubSite was built just for authors and small publishers. Every design, feature, and layout is book-centric. They have customized designs for you to use. It's easy to build. No coding or HTML is necessary to create a stunning, professional-looking website with all the features you want. 
get a custom domain name, yourname.com. It's simple to update. You can add all of your books, add a blog and a book tour, sell from any retailer, manage your email list and social media, and even do e-commerce. Build your website with a 14-day free trial, then pay just $19.99 per month, which includes hosting. And we offer packages starting at $499 to set up the website for you. Pub-Site.com, the place to help authors find their home on the web. Looking for a tool to help you visualize your story before the drafting begins? PlotPens is cloud-based and optimized for any device. There's nothing to download. From the new writer who isn't sure how to tell their story to the veteran who can increase their productivity dramatically, we've had experienced writers lay out a detailed structure for several novels in a series in a matter of a few days. The app takes you through four steps of the process. The concept or logline. Make sure you have a solid concept that you can keep coming back to throughout the process. The outline, 12 beats and 3 acts, each has a description of what should be happening with examples. The board, 40 cards. We take the 12 beats and add sub-beats to those, breaking it down even further and being very specific about what should go into each. These also have examples and descriptions. Write. We take those 40 cards and turn them into a to-do list. For a 50,000-word book, it's about two cards per chapter, roughly. We have a beautiful editor built into the app. You can export your manuscript to a PDF anytime with the click of a button. Let Plot Pins help you visualize your writing project. Use code HANK10 to get 10% off Plot Pins. PlotPins.com. How do you feel about the difference in a series character? And uh, a standalone character, and and do you know when you begin a book if this is uh, it, it, that this is you know this character will carry on for more than one book, or you know do you yeah. think in, in terms of well this this is going to be her one shot? Yeah, I I I usually know that because my first series, I knew from the beginning that it was going to be four books, and and I did four books, but after that I was a bit tired of series. So I wanted to write a standalone and I had absolutely no plan of continuing it. And I'm not going to do that, even though some people want me to. But but the difference when I started this series was that I didn't want to set a number. I made made a plan for uh, three books because I felt that I couldn't tell. Uh, the story of my main character, Hannah Dunker, in less than three books. Uh, but after maybe the second book, uh, I felt that, well, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this in three books. So <laughs> they're actually going to be at least five, I think. Because uh, it's, it's important for me uh, that the feeling is right, that I really want to do it. Yeah, because yeah. I'm I I I don't see myself as the writer who writes I mean maybe ten or fifteen books uh, in one series. I don't think I can keep the keep my own interest alive for that long. Right. Do Do you feel like that the stakes are different uh, when writing a standalone as opposed to a series 
uh, book, you, you know, like if it's if it's book two in a series and we know that there's going to be at least three or five books in a series, then then we know that that our main character is is probably not going to die in this book. You know, there's <laughs> so, um, you know, but in a standalone, you know, we we don't know if these characters will make it to the end or if, you know, if you might do something horrible to to yeah. a character that we love. Um, do, do you think about those things, you know, that, you know, there are certain places you cannot go in a series or, um, you know, and even though you can do anything in a standalone, um, you know, do you, do you want to do that to readers and, and would it be in the best interest of this character? You, you, you know what I mean? Are the stakes different? Yeah, the stakes are different. Uh, but I try to, I don't know. I try to think uh, not about the, I don't know how to put it, not about the limitations, but the the pros yeah. <laughs> of, jo- of, the, of the choice I make if it's a standalone or if it's a series. Because the reason why I like series is that I like to work with a background story, a story that I can keep alive for more than one book uh, at the same time as each book has its as its separate investigation that kind of ends with the book, but the background story continues. Uh, Johanna, I, th- I heard a story, um, I think, about um, about you crossing paths with uh, um, with a, uh, a homicide, um, someone involved in, in a homicide with two men and did uh, I, I can't remember the details. I, I heard this on a on another interview that you did, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, but c- could you tell us that story and, and how that brought you into, um, y- you know, being intrigued with with telling these kinds of stories? Yeah, I think I think that played a, a large part in me becoming a crime writer, uh, even though I didn't realize that from the beginning. Because uh, this, uh, I'm from the south of Sweden, uh, a, a small town called Kalmar, but I live in Stockholm now, the capital. Uh, and all my previous books before these this series uh, is, is about Stockholm. And then I just kind of felt that I I needed to write about my hometown and where I come from. And and then I realized that yeah, I have to do this story. I write, have to write about this that's that's been with me for so long uh it happened when i was uh 15 uh this is this is a crime that's been written a lot about in sweden because it's it was a female taxi driver who went missing uh and uh three guys were arrested for involvement in her murder uh, and they were young. They were in their 20s and they had no prior records. Uh, and they were paid by her ex-husband to do it. Uh, and uh, everyone in my hometown talked about it because the guys were from there. Uh, and one of those guys was my sister's boyfriend. And I also worked in uh, in the same cafe as one of the guys. Uh, yeah, and that, that it was such a shock because uh, we were friends uh, with his family as well. Yeah, wow. and it was just kind of I don't know a weird experience. It was just the realization that people killed 
<laughs> right. That, I don't know. That, yeah. It, that's you know we we talked earlier about that that yeah. realization when you realize that real people write books it, it's also yeah. <laughs> another one of those realizations when you realize that well people really can do horrible things and yeah. that's uh kind of your view of the world changes a little bit it it does yeah it, it really did change uh and i also as i said everyone talked about it but what I remember most is the silence because we couldn't talk about it. It was wow. uh, it was it was too much of a shock. Yeah. Wow. Um, your your new book um, takes place in, in an island community, and uh, yep. the the uh, the title for the the series is the Island Murders. Um, what is it about um, a, a small island community like this that makes it so different than than you know, uh, cities in the mainland. Uh, like, is, is there a um, a difference in the in the way that people that live on the island view themselves and then view the outside world? Does that add a layer of complexity to telling the story? Yeah, it definitely adds a layer. Uh, this island is outside the uh, city where I uh, grew up. And it's connected by a long bridge. Uh, I spent a lot of time on this on this island because uh, my grandparents had a farm there. Uh, and I, when I realized that I was gonna do this series, I started visiting the island a lot. And I remember one of my first visits there. I read the uh, local newspaper, and there was an ad about a crime. Who, uh, that had been committed and the journalist was yeah, I mean pointing out that the criminals were were from the mainland that was the most important <laughs> thing about them because <laughs> it is yeah it is kind of us against them <laughs> actually sometimes yeah but I just I just love this island because it's um it's yeah it's yeah, it's it's a it's a beautiful place, so, and it's very and it's very flat, uh, and it's very windy. I mean, and just exposed exposed to the elements. Yeah, and and that that affects people. That that affects the way people view themselves, the way they interact with the world, and um, it, it's a it, it's interesting to me. It's it's really fascinating. The way that a a place kind of molds people, you know, to to the way it is. Um, it it's interesting to to see the the different kinds of stories that can come because a a place looks and feels different. Yeah, and that's what, uh, as I said before, all my other stories are uh, takes place in Stockholm, and I just kind of felt like I I don't want to write a story in a city anymore. I want to. F- uh, Write a story that ex- takes place in the countryside where people are more <laughs> dependent on each other. <laughs> yeah. um, tell me about the the uh, the character of of Hannah, um, who she is such a fascinating character to me. Uh, the police detective is, is she's uh, we're kind of seeing the story, you know, through her eyes. Uh, in a way, and then her partner Eric. Um, where did she come from? 
Uh, she came from me wanting to write about how it is to be related to someone who commits a murder. Uh, when she was 19 uh, and she was just about to graduate, her, her father was arrested for murder and her reaction was to flee. Uh, she graduated and left the island. Uh, and she, she had a brother and he, he fled as well. He moved, moved even further away. He moved to London. Um, and I mean, yeah, the contact with the father was really difficult because she has, she had once really loved her father and they had a good relationship. And then he, he does this. She just, she just doesn't know how to deal with it. And that's what I want to write about how hard it can be. Uh, and Eventually, the father uh, drinks himself uh, to death and Hannah has to go back and clean out the house. And then she realizes that she she has to deal with what happened because she she hasn't led a good life in Stockholm. She's very lonely. And yeah, so she decides to move back. And yeah, and that's where the Night Singer uh, starts. And it, it's so fascinating that that she has this personal trauma um, that she's dealing with and and her, you know, one of her ways of dealing with that is to become, um, you know, a, a, a police officer herself and a, a, a detective. And it it, it I, I think it's always fascinating when you see um, because this plays out in real life all of all the time we see people that that choose professions. Uh, based on something that they're wrestling with in their personal life, and that that rings true in a uh, in a very real way. Yeah, yeah, that's that was what yeah. I was aiming for. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the 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 title is very provocative. The Night Singer. Um, what what does this allude to? Uh, actually, it alludes to uh, the Night Singer is a nocturnal bird. And uh, Sweden is divided into provinces, uh, and Erland is the smallest one. And every province has its own animal. And the nightingale is the animal of Erland, and the nightingale is the night singer. So that's why I wanted to use it. But I also wanted to use it uh, within the story. Uh, so I so I make up a story about it. Uh, and the story is that uh, Hannah's grandmother gave uh, Hannah a wooden uh, nightingale just kind of to work kind of like a dream catcher to help her with her uh, nightmares. And she also gets uh, a tattoo of a nightingale and she she clutches it a lot for comfort when she's in uh, difficult situations. The, and the uh, night, yeah, and the night singer is also in the in the story of the uh, the boy uh, who gets uh, murdered. Right. the The book feels uh, a lot of ways like a a great police procedural. Like you 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 are very meticulous in how you portray the way that um, that the the police would handle. Uh, a situation like this uh did you uh did you get consultation from uh from local police or um 
like where do you go to to get those sorts of details that you put in the book that makes it ring so true yeah uh before i even started writing uh i met with the two local detectives and they showed me around the police station there and just answered uh my questions and they answered all all the questions i had throughout the writing and they also read the uh, manuscript once it was ready yeah what was that uh were you nervous to have them read you know what <laughs> was, perception of I what they extremely <laughs> nervous and i was all, also nervous because they were so friendly and it was so nice when i when when i visited the police station and here i come and write about a lot of drama at the police station and yeah so, <laughs> but they were they were very nice about it yeah <laughs> i love that well this is the first book in a new series and and you um did you say that there would be five books in the series yeah, <laughs> yeah. Where, where do you see these characters going from here uh well the second one has already been published in sweden and i'm working on the uh third one right now uh the only thing I really have planned uh, is what's going to happen with Hannah uh, and the background story, Hannah and her father. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, I can't wait to see where this uh, series goes. Um, we're going to send everyone to pick up their copy of The Night Singer. <laughs> we're going to put links to it in the show notes of this episode or go visit your local bookstore and pick it up. Um Johanna, if if people are just discovering you, is there a place online where they can dig into to all the stuff that you do and follow along with what's coming next? Yeah, uh, I'm most active on Instagram. Uh, I have my own homepage and I'm on, on Facebook as well. But on those pages, I write in Swedish. <laughs> I've, I've started to write some in English on Instagram. Excellent. And And what's your handle on Instagram? Uh, it's uh, Johanna Mo uh, underline fourth with which which is short for Fafatta, which is writer in English. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put a link to that yeah. uh, as well in the show notes yeah, to make it easier for folks to find you. Um, Johanna, thank you so much for taking to come uh, taking time to come on the show. We're going to send everyone yeah. to pick up a copy of the Night Singer. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's been really fun. Wargate Books presents Hit and Fade, Forgotten Ruin, Book 2, by Jason Ansbach and Nick Cole, narrated for you by Christopher Ryan Grant. Chapter 1. The Army of the Dead walked straight into our ambush east of Fortress Hawthorne. That's what the fob is called now, Fortress Hawthorne. Despite it being officially known as Forward Operating Base Hawthorne, as was originally intended when the 50 detachments of various special operations groups came forward through time from Area 51, a one-way mission to save Western civilization from a rampaging nanoplague destroying the very fabric of said civilization. Apparently, we overshot the temporal insertion point and stuck the landing. Sorta. About 10,000 years too late. 
Said civilization is now basically something straight out of Tolkien, or Dungeons and Dragons, which we've all now gotten a lot more familiar with thanks to our resident expert and fledgling hedge wizard, the infamous P.F.C. Kennedy. But the Rangers just call it the FOB. The first of our explosives to ruin the leading elements of the Army of the Dead advancing on us? Claymore Mines, the recaptured forge back at Hawthorne, had cranked out in the weeks after we'd retaken it from King Triton, were fired by Ranger Sergeant Kang down there with the scouts and Captain Knifehand's assaulters. It was close to midnight when the front rank of bony warriors, carrying rotting shields and spears, eyes glowing malevolently in the deep night mist, advanced into our ambush only to get ruined by the daisy-chained Claymore's sudden eruption. Above us, a cloud-shrouded moon cast a wan yellow light over the battlefield. The night was hot, and spring was coming on full now. The pilots who'd gotten us here in the grounded C-17 back at Ranger Alamo, using their meteorology skills, had guessed it was going to be a long, hot summer ahead of us and an early one at that. But there was a cold shiver in the dark on your exposed skin that you couldn't quite explain when you saw the dead advancing rank after rank. The bone warriors carrying spear and shield, other darker creatures barely seen. The lower areas of the earth were graveyard cool and misty, so maybe that was it. Still, the brutal, unrelenting cold of our almost last stand back at Ranger Alamo was gone now. But not the horrors. There wasn't a night that some ranger didn't wake up out of a tormented sleep, breathing heavy, sidearms scanning the dark and looking for orcs and ogres to ventilate. I was sweating in the hour leading up to the attack, despite the night and the mist. Kurtz had us humping hard to get the 240 and all its ammo up to the top of a small hill that overlooked the area where we'd channel the advancing echelons of the Army of the Dead into further fun and games the rangers had planned at a bend in a riverbed. If the approaching Army of the Dead continued on their current course track, they'd enter it for a brief period. It was decided by the captain we'd kill them there and I was sweating. Not because of fear. No, not at all. Firing, whispered Sergeant Kang over the calm as he detonated the mines. And eight daisy-chained claymores spat thousands of steel balls all across the front line of what even I was still finding it hard to believe I was seeing through my night vision device. Skeletons. Warrior skeletons. Ancient warriors like something out of the Bronze or Iron Ages. Worked breastplates of molded plate or rotting scales. Green and tarnished, stamped with the markings of fabled armies fallen in battles long, long ago. Leather cuirasses on some. Rotting boots. Helms with broken horns, missing teeth, tattered leather kilts. Beads and charms dangling from bone wrists. Enigmatic holy signs and primal torques black with grave dirt or from a funeral pyre long ago on some forgotten battlefield far from here 
draped about the spine where the throat should be, where it rises to connect to a bone-white skull that seems filled with malevolent purpose and diabolical intelligence, malignantly so. Walking skeletons like something out of a Ray Harryhausen clay model Sinbad epic from the 1960s. Above, the sliver of moon gave enough light to strengthen our NVGs, making the night vision devices perform exceptionally well as we sprang our trap and watched the advancing elements get rocked by our initial high-explosive opening bid in the game we were about to play. The air was still and hot in the moments before the fight began as we lay there in the tall, sharp grass, waiting for it all to go down. I was thinking a hot cup of coffee would be nice about now, except my canteen only had cold coffee I'd brewed during the long, silent, and windy afternoon of preparation. Still, I was happy knowing I had some, rather than none.